With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, the number is 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, today's episode is brought to you by the support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all your financial support. Well, we're going to begin a new series today. It is The Adventures of Leonidas Witherall, starring Walter Hamden. Uh, this was a kind of interesting series in a couple of ways. It was based on a series of books written by Phoebe Atwood Taylor under the pseudonym Alice Tilton. And I'll maybe explain in a future episode why she wrote under that pseudonym. But it'll suffice to say that Leonidas Witherall was not E.B. Atwood Taylor's most popular character. He was most well known for the Assay Mayo uh, series, which had 21 books written between 1931 and 43. By contrast, Leonidas Witherall only had seven books written through 1944-1944, the seventh Leonidas Witherall story was published. Phoebe Atwood Taylor was a, is, was a very accomplished writer that has sadly been uh, somewhat forgotten by modern mystery fans. In fact, the timing of this Leonidas Witherall series is somewhat fortuitous, as her publisher has begun to uh, release some of her old essay mail and the first Leonidas Witherall novel for the Kindle. She was 22 when her first book was published, which was six years younger than Agatha Christie when she started her series, with the publication of the first Poirot novel. Her books developed a much lighter tone. Uh, they were almost, at least judging by the one Leonidas Witherall novel I've read, uh, almost screwball comedies. So some of the information I've read online indicates that some of her earlier essay Mayo novels took a somewhat darker turn. 
Leonidas Witherall, as a comic detective, perhaps one of the more surprising things was who came forward to play the lead role. It was none other than Walter Hamden. Hamden was considered at the time one of the grand old men of the American stage. At the time that he began recording Leonidas Witherall, Hamden was 64 and a half years old and would uh, soon be turning 65. He distinguished himself with such roles as Cyrano de Bergerac and Hamlet, as well as Macbeth. In addition to this, Hamden was really well respected in the New York acting community. He spent 27 years as president of the Players Club. Oh, really an interesting fit to take on the role of a comic detective hero. But I guess if there was one argument for Walter Hamden as Leonidas Witherall, it was that uh, Leonidas Witherall's most distinguishing characteristic was that he looked like William Shakespeare, which my wife considers cheating for a novelist's description, and she's probably right. But if you're going to have a character who looks like William Shakespeare, why not have one of the country's finest Shakespearean actors portray him? So while Hamden may bring a little bit too much gravitas to the role, I think he pulls it off well. So here now, um, June the 4th, 1944, is Mutual's premiere of Leonidas Witherall, Dead Man in the Closet. W.O.R. Mutual is proud to present Walter Hamden. Walter Hamden, a great and versatile actor, has in his time played many parts, but none quite like Leonidas Witherall, the hero of the adventures which we'll broadcast every Sunday evening. We'll meet Leonidas in action, and plenty of it in a moment. At this moment, we invite you to meet Walter Hamden. Thank you. Perhaps you know Leonidas Witherall through the entertaining mystery stories by Miss Alice Tilton. I like the man. I expect to have a good time acting him. And uh, I hope you'll have a good time hearing his adventures. One of the intriguing things about Leonidas is his beard. Because of it, he bears a resemblance to William Shakespeare. So that uh, strangers often ask Leonidas if they haven't met him in the public library. Others address him point-blank as Bill Shakespeare, or just uh, plain Bill. Then, too, there is Leonidas' double life. He's the owner of Meredith, an exemplary school for boys in a pleasant New England town. And privately, confidentially, he's the author of the Lieutenant Hazeltine stories. Lieutenant Hazeltine is a fabulous hero, a master of every situation. On the radio, he is introduced like this. Hazeltine to the rescue! Yes. <clears throat> now, Leonidas in his own life is always tumbling into strange and unexpected situations. So you can imagine his mixed feelings when confronted with a real mystery of his own, and somebody says, as somebody always does... You ought to hear Lieutenant Hazeltine on the radio. He'd know what to do. But so, as you may discover, does Leonidas. As we meet him... He's giving a tea for the good ladies of a local club. They're assembled in his living room, 
And uh, they chatter cheerfully as they anticipate the refreshment and Leonidas. Oh, and you see him, my dear, just exactly like Shakespeare. Wonderful looking man. Charming man. Very interesting. Well, Mr. Harris, he's here. Well, Mr. Harris, he's here. He said he has an unexpected visitor, but he'll be up in a jiffy. Lady, lady, Mr. Witherall will be with us in a moment, so let's be patient, shall we? Oh, there he is now. He looks like Mr. Shakespeare. What a beautiful being. Oh, well, Leonidas, it's about time. Ladies, ladies, there'll be no tea this afternoon. There's been a murder. What? Leonidas. If this is some distasteful little joke. Oh, no, I'm quite serious, Maud. Uh, there has been a murder. Oh, uh, no fault of my own, you understand. Uh, it was completely unanticipated. Oh, my uh, Mrs. Mother, can you help the ladies with their things and show them to the door? All right. Well, I never. Murder. Come on, Leonard, just walk downstairs with me. Now tell me everything that's happened. Who's been murdered? Maud, why don't you just find your things? Oh, my and... cake's downstairs in the hall closet. In the... All closets? Are you sure? Of course I am. Why? I hung my cape there when I came in, right in that closet at the bottom of the stairs. Well, it's impossible. You couldn't have put your cape there. That door's been locked for days. What? Oh, good idea. Good idea. Good Did you get your things, Mrs. Harvestor? No. He says this closet's locked. Locked? Yes. He says it's been locked for days. Did you ever hear of such a thing? You can try the door if you want to. Well, I certainly will. Oh. See? Oh, it was such a beautiful cape, too. Maud, my dear, you don't need a cape. It would be gilding the lily. Oh. As the gentleman I'm supposed to resemble has said, uh, to gild refined gold, to paint the lily, to throw a perfume on the violet, to smooth the ice, and uh, more to that effect. Oh, how sweet. Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Maud. Oh, I do hope that awful, awful murder, or whatever it is, works out nicely. Of course, if there was someone around like Lieutenant Hazeltine. Did you ever hear him on the radio? Lieutenant Hazeltine? Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, I've heard him. Uh, much to my own pleasure and uh, profit. Well, if you don't know what to do about this murder business, just imagine what Lieutenant Hazeltine would do. He's never wrong, you know. Positively infallible. Have you read the books about him, too? Oh, yes. Uh, good afternoon, Maud. You know, I helped her hang the cake in there. I don't understand this at all. Good afternoon, Maud. Oh, that was the most exquisite cake, and I... Well, you look for it, and I'll call you later. Good afternoon, Leonidas. Mrs. Mallard. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Mrs. Haverstor. <sighs> now that they've gone... Goodness, Mr. Witherall, I completely forgot. There was a message for you from a Mr. Rex. Yes. I spoke to him on the telephone a while ago. He's on his way over. I think he said he was coming from the bank. Mr. Yerkes arrived. I've seen him. When? Uh, he was my unexpected visitor. That's what delayed me. In fact, he's still here. He is? Where? In the hall closet. Mr. Witherall, put the guests in the closet. Well, Mr. Yerkes is hardly in a position to complain. Why? He's dead. Well, I'm glad. Huh? There's a, a dead man in, in that closet? Mm, yes. Uh, he rang my bell a while ago. I opened the door and Mr. Yerkes staggered in. He was shot in the head, probably while standing on my doorstep. I didn't hear no shot. I thought it was a blowout, too. He fell over there on the rug, 
I realized he wasn't exactly a pleasant decoration to have at the door when the ladies left, so I um, put him in the closet, uh, temporarily, of course. You aren't supposed to touch a corpse ever. Lieutenant Hazeltine never does that. Now, that's another point, Mrs. Mullet. You almost slipped up when Mrs. Haverstraw was here. I must impress upon you again the fact that I write the Hazeltine books is our precious secret. So, uh, let's be more careful, eh? I'll, uh... Are you going to open the closet door now? Certainly a cadaver doesn't belong in a closet, does it? Who shot him? I don't know. Well? I haven't any idea of what this is all about. The last time I spoke to Mr. Yerk, he called me from his bank. Said he wanted to come over to speak with me as soon as he could. Uh, something urgent, he said. Uh, next thing I knew, my doorbell rang, and uh, there he was. Good gracious. Evidently, when he spoke to you, he wanted to confirm the appointment. Oh, uh, uh, would you pick up that phone and call the police? Well, it's about time. Keeping a dead man in a closet. Why, it's, it's sacrilegious. Oh, uh, you going to open that door? Not just yet. Uh, would you please call the... I'll answer it. Hello? Hello. Is that you, Witherall? Yes. This is Chris. I'm in the library. Mm -hmm. I I, I can't explain over the phone, but this is terribly important. Oh, what's wrong? I need $500. $500? $500? I need it tonight. I've got to have it. What is it? Could you help me out? What's the trouble? Just a second, Chris. It's Professor Cripps of the school library, Mrs. Mullet. Oh, I know him. I look after his room every second Thursday. A very nice gentleman. Oh, then perhaps you could spare him $500 from underneath an old mattress, possibly. Me? Uh, Cripps? Yes? Uh, pardon the interruption. $500. I think I can dig it up for you. Cash? You see, the bank has closed and I need the cash immediately. That's all right. I can get it for you. Would you bring it here to the library as soon as you can? This is terribly important. And if... Yes, I'll be over. I think I understand. By the way, that book you borrowed, Hearts Ablaze, it's way overdue. Would you bring it with you? Hearts Ablaze? I never borrowed a book called... Hello. Hello, hello. He hung up. That's odd. He doesn't usually make mistakes like that. Now, shall I call the police? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, I wonder what sort of trouble Trips could be in. Did he ever ask you for money before? No, never. You know him, Mrs. Mullet. He leads a very quiet life. He's been going along smoothly for years, ever since he came to Meredith, back in uh, 1927, I think it was. He came to us right after he was graduated from Heidelberg. Mm-hmm. Have you a family? No. He, uh, doesn't go out Gallivanton, does he? No, no, not a bit of it. As far as I know, he's completely wrapped up in his work at the school library. Now, suddenly, he needs $500. Why did he mention that book? Well, uh, wouldn't this be the time to call the police, Mrs. Mullet? Mm-hmm. Police headquarters, Sergeant McConnell. Sergeant, uh, this is Leonidas Witherall. Bill Shakespeare. Hello there, Bill. Sergeant, I'm at home. Uh, you remember oh, 40 Birchill Road? Yes. I'm calling about Mr. Yerkes, the president of Dalton Bank. What about him? He's been murdered. Everything what? happens in he this house. He was shot through the head uh, just a few minutes ago. Where's the body? Right here. All right, don't touch anything. Don't leave and don't let anyone else leave. We're on our way. We'll be here in a moment. Now you'll take Mr. Yerkes out of there, huh? No, I think he's been disturbed enough today. Oh, incidentally. Yes? That bust over the alcove, the bust of... Shakespeare? Uh, yeah, Shakespeare. Is it necessary to put the bust on that narrow shelf? You have Mr. Shakespeare in a very precarious position. 
Well, you just wait till I dust them off. He looks fine up there. Mm. You'll see. There. Uh, careful, Mrs. Mollett. Careful. Yes, you never mind about the house. You should be busy trying to find out who shot Mr. Yerk. He was shot right here on your doorstep, wasn't yes, he? Yes, so he was. Well, then go on and get busy. Um, get busy. Let's see, let's see. Yerkes was shot directly in the back of the head. Therefore, the bullet must have come from a small area in that direction. Uh, let's go out on the lawn and have a look around. Now, whoever fired the gun wouldn't stand out here in the open. He'd conceal himself. He might have stood behind the tree. Now you sound like Lieutenant Hazeltine, Mrs. Mullet. You know what he'd do, don't you? Well, I uh, ought to. He'd stand behind the tree like this and uh, see if the murderer could have done his sniping from there. Ah, uh, another Hazeltine touch. Footprints. Goodness. What kind of footprints are those? They're from a very strange kind of shoe, I'd say. They look extremely large, square. Definitely not the type of shoe worn by an ordinary man. Of course, if we knew why somebody should want to kill Yerkes... He was a banker, wasn't he? Yes. Well, then it's a question of common sense. Who'd be after a banker? Someone who needs money. And that brings us back to Cripps, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Well, there are the police. They can take over. Uh, hello, Bill Shakespeare. Well, hello. Mrs. Mullet. How do Shakespeare, where's my yurt? In my house, in the uh, hall closet. In the closet? Uh, I moved the body in there myself. You moved the body? Uh, you see, I had a few guests upstairs, and uh, he was in the way. Oh, okay. All right, boys. Get yurts out of the closet. Usual routine, pictures, medical report. Okay, well, now tell me, Bill, exactly what happened. Well, Mr. Yerkes telephoned to say he was coming over. He wanted to talk to me about something uh, absolutely vital, he said. Mm -hmm. I never found out what it was. He rang my bell, I opened the door, found him shot in the head. Hmm. Did you see anyone around? No, uh, but Mrs. Mullet and I were just looking at these rather grotesque footprints. Where? Oh, uh, here. Oh. Say, that is a funny kind of print, isn't it? I'll have it photographed and measured. Right now, I'd say the next stop is Mr. York's bank. You come along with her, huh? Is it necessary for me to go to the bank with you? I'd much prefer to leave the entire matter in your hands. Look, Bill. Yerkes was shot on your doorstep. The matter is very much in your hands, Shakespeare. Yes, sir. You and I are going to the bank. Mr. Yerkes' secretary? Yes, I am. Uh, Helen is Mrs. Mullet's daughter. Did you know that, Sergeant? She is. And she's been Mr. Yerkes' secretary here in the bank quite some time, hasn't you, Helen? Yes, for about three years. Hmm. What uh, kind of a fellow was he? Friendly? Oh, yes. He was always very nice to me. He, he even tried to help me get into the Dalton Summer Theater. Helen's ambition is the stage. Oh. Uh, she hopes to become an actress. Yes. Uh, now, Helen, uh, what we want to know is, do you remember anything about Mr. Yerkes, uh, anything that took place recently? Anything that might be a clue as to why someone should want to kill him? Well, there was Mr. Cripps. He was here this afternoon. Aha, uh -huh. him again. Go on. Well, I was typing outside of Mr. York's office. Mr. Cripps wanted to borrow $500. I gathered that much. He said, so you're going to turn me down. And Mr. York seemed very upset. He said, get out of here. I won't be responsible for what happens to you, Cripps. Besides, I don't believe your story at all. Mm, very good impersonation, Helen. Uh, but what was the story he didn't believe? I don't know. Ah. Where are you going, Bill? 
Well, if you'll excuse me, Sergeant, I'm going to the library. To see Cripps? That's right. What for? I want to return a book. You haven't any book with you? That's just the point. I'm going to return a book I never borrowed. Uh, what's that? Uh, see you later, Sergeant. Jenks, it's Witherall. Ah, uh, hello, Mr. Witherall. The Shire Library's closed. Oh, I see. Didn't you close very early today? Yes, Professor's been having me locked up early these days. Where is he? You still here? Professor Cripps? No, I'm all alone. Jenks, do you mind if I come in? If everything's locked up. Well, you'd be doing a very great favor for me. I want to return a certain book, a book called Heart to Blaze. <laughs> Are you reading that stuff? <laughs> I realize it's against the rules to allow anyone inside, but uh, it won't take a moment, and it's so important. Uh, all right, sir, but you will have to find your way in the dark. I don't dare turn on the lights to mean my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a flashlight, though. It might help. Good. Here. How's that? Excellent, thank you. Uh, there's a card catalog. See it? Yeah. Let's see. H, H. H E H E A. You aren't going to go downstairs, are you? I'm going wherever the card says I'll find the book. Why? Well, uh, tell the truth, it's, it's mighty spooky down there. For the last few days, I've been hearing lots of noises. Do uh, uh, you believe in ghosts? <laughs> now, Jake, stop trouble. Yeah, I had an uncle once. He didn't believe in ghosts. One night, he went to a house on Greystone Cliffs, then creaked as a wink. He ends up in the morn. Mm-hmm. Too bad, too bad. Couldn't you, couldn't you wait till tomorrow when everybody's here? Well, I'll go alone. How's that? Well, I wish you wouldn't go at all. It's for your own good. I could swear I've been hearing creatures from the other world. Do you hear that? What? Listen. There are noises in every building, Jenks. It's because the beams become warped and... Uh, ah, here we are. Hearts, hearts, uh... Heart to blaze. Room three, stack seven. Good. I'm going downstairs. Uh, I wish you wouldn't. Oh, uh, will you be all right without your flashlight to expose the spooks? Oh, don't joke about a subject like that. I had a cousin once. He was always joking about graves and coffins. And you know where he ended up? In the morgue, quick as a wink. How'd you guess? Uh, room three, stack seven. Uh, that's this way. I'll be back soon. No, no, wait. I, uh, well, uh, if, 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 if you're not afraid, I'll, I'll go along too and hold the flashlight steady uh, for come you. Come along, then. Uh, let's hurry. Uh, can you see all right? Yes, uh, go ahead. Uh, room three is down this stairway. Be careful. Straight ahead through that door. I'll open it. Seven to the left. Uh, did you hear anything? This time I did, yes. Sounds like somebody's in this room. I'll flash the light around and see if... Uh, holy! Look on the floor. It's Professor Cripps. So it is, Jenks. The late professor. He's, he's dead, isn't he? Let me see. Yep. Shot through the back of the head. Same story as yours. Uh, let's 
Let's get out of here. I... Jinx, Jinx. Where are you? Can't see. What's happened? Don't move. Who are you? This is a 45 in your back. Mm -hmm. Don't move, I said. What is your name? The honor to Switheroff? I thought so. Fine. And uh, you? Lieutenant Max von Orden of the Army of the Greater Reich. You're uh, rather far from uh, where you belong, aren't you? I will get back. Oh, of course, yeah. What do you mean? Well, I, I won't ask you how you got here or why. I doubt if your answer would be uh, reliable information. You may doubt. You were going to bring my uncle five hundred dollars. Do you have it with you? Your uncle, Cripps, was your uncle? Yes. That's right. He did mention that part of his family was still in Germany. He was helping you with your escape, eh? I fooled him completely. I told him that I was a member of the anti-Nazi underground. I told him that the Germans were pursuing me to all the corners of the earth. That I was safe nowhere, that I needed money. So he tried Mr. Yerk. Yerk didn't believe the story and turned him down. Yes. Then Yerk went running to your house. Like an idiot. I knew there might be trouble, so... so you followed Yerk, hid behind a tree, and shot him as he entered my place. Did I? Your shoes give you away. My shoes? Oh, never mind. Uh, why did you shoot your uncle? My uncle suddenly realized the truth. So you... Where's the money? I didn't bring it with me. Then you and I are going to your house and you will give it to me there. After which... I shall kill you too. Hmm, pleasant prospect. I must. I must leave no one who knows about me. Of course, God. Yeah. Come on. We'll walk upstairs and out of this library. We'll go together down the street to your house. And you will be perfectly quiet. Remember, my forty-five is in my pocket. You will give no sign, no signal. Start walking, Mr. Weatherall. Faster with her all. Every minute is precious. We haven't much further to go. Just around the next corner. You see, I knew that my uncle sensed the truth about me when he mentioned that book to you on the telephone. Hearts ablaze. It was obvious that he was trying to tell you to go to room three, stack seven. You're very perceptive, oh, aren't yeah. you? Oh, uh, good evening, Maud. Who's that? Just a friend. Remember, I have a forty-five. Watch what you say. Well, did you find my case yet, uh, Oh, I beg your pardon. Miss Haverstraw, Mr. Van Oden. Uh, Mr. Van Oden, Mrs. Haverstraw. Mrs. Haverstraw. Uh, Mr. Van Oden just arrived in town. He's, um, uh, touring. Oh, really? Is this your first time in this part of the country? Yes, it is. It's charming. Oh, and have you been in Dalton long? Not very, no. Well, you must let me on to show you everything. Where do you come from, Mr. Van Oden, out west? Uh, Mr. Van Oden's recently arrived from Europe. No. Oh, how exciting. He's an expert on European affairs, especially on the problems in occupied Europe. Why, that's wonderful. You're staying in Dalton for a while, I hope. No, I'm sorry. I, um, have other plans. Oh, yeah, but yeah. you must stay for a few days. I'm simply dying to talk to you. As a matter of fact, I'm having a little luncheon tomorrow at my home. What's Just a few of my friends and some of the Meredith faculty, and they'd be delighted to meet you. Won't you come over and tell us about your experience? I'm afraid... Oh, please. It's one o'clock. I'd like you very much, but I'm afraid it's impossible. Oh, Leonidas, you persuade him, won't you? I wish I could. I do wish there was some way to keep him here. Yeah. Are you on your way home, Leonidas? Yes, yes. Well, you must come to the luncheon, too. Well, I don't know if I'll be available. Well, I'm going to drop in at the tailor's, and then I'm coming by for my cake. And you're going to find it for me, Leonidas, if you have to turn your whole house upside down. See you both later. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
All right, with her all, start walking. I saw your housekeeper at the window the last time I was here. I want to warn you again when we go inside. Oh, I shan't say anything to Mrs. Mullet. Come on. Oh, hello, Mr. Witherall. Oh, Mrs. Mullet, uh, I brought a guest. Uh, this is Mr. Van Odin. How do, Mr. Van Odin? Would you like some tea? I haven't much time. Oh, a cup of hot tea would be nice, I think. And I have some chocolate cookies, too. Have it for you in a second. Now, uh, sit down, won't you? Might like this chair. Very comfortable. So? It uh, gives you a view of the room and of me. I could hardly make trouble for you, could I? With you and your revolver commanding the room from there. And uh, if you try. Ah, fine chair, isn't it? You sit in that one. There, where I can watch you. Very well. You look like someone I've seen somewhere. Uh, yes, Shakespeare. Uh, my good friends call me Bill. If you look up at that uh, bust over your head, you see the resemblance. I assume your look is nothing to me, Weatherall. Oh, of course. Get the money. Yes, you can get up from that chair for that. Get the money. I... Why are you staring at me? You know, you're the first genuine Nazi I've ever seen. What of it? I'm interested in your dimensions, your uh, chemistry. I don't follow you. Your shoes, for instance. The hard, square shoes that left the footprints on my front lawn. I see them as the boots kicking a Frenchman in the stomach, then swaggering away as he coughs out his life on a Parisian street corner. Be careful, Weatherall. Watch your tongue. Your hands, Van Odin. I can see the precise fingers jabbing a needle into the vein of a starving schoolchild in Poland to provide more blood for your degenerate warrior. Weatherall, you say one more word like that, and I'll... Oh, you're not going to kill me yet. You don't know where the money is. And your eyes, Lieutenant. There are the eyes at the bomb site over in English town. Getting the school so accurately in line. Making the death of the children a mathematical certainty. You're wasting time. You're purposely wasting time. And your mouth. The obscenities that must have spewed out. The same vile words that were poured into your ears by the leaders. Measured and then poured. As a pharmacist would weigh a deadly drug. That's why I'm staring at you. When you told me that you were in the German army... I wanted to put you out of our way forever. But that would never be enough. It's not going to be enough to rip the swastika from the brown house in Munich. Money or no money, if you don't shut up. I feel that unless we go beyond that, unless we understand you, we shan't have won anything at all. We'll have to do the same dirty, heartbreaking job all over again. That's why I should like to get at the roots of your hate and your frustration. And while you are theorizing, we shall overrun the earth. We are too clever for you. For instance, at this moment, I am winning. Isn't that right? Yes, at this moment you are. Mm. But you Germans always make the same fatal error. You overlook the simple things. You always fail to see something very simple. Well, here we are. Pipe and hot tea and some delicious cookies. Thank you, Mrs. Mullet. Oh, uh, that uh, bust of Shakespeare on the shelf, uh, you uh, you haven't dusted it off. Why, I certainly did. Don't you remember? No, I don't. It looks very dusty. Would you, please? Oh, all right, if you say so. But I know I did it. Well, do it again. You're just being an old fuss budget. I'll dust it, so... Oh. Oh. oh, my, I am sorry. I must have dusted too hard. Wasn't my fault, really. 
I guess I knocked your friend cold. That's exactly what I hoped you'd do. Mr. Pizzle, the way you treat your guests. First you stuff one into a closet, then you have this one bopped on the bean. Mrs. Mullet, you've just captured a portion of the German army with a feather duster. Congratulations. And uh, may I present you with his revolver? I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't want that thing. I'll open the door. Oh, hello, Maud. Well, Leona, did you find my cape? I did. It's on a chair in the living room. I'll get it. Well, it's about time, and I just said it was in that closet, too, all the time. Oh, dear. Isn't that that nice Mr. Van Oden on the floor? Yes. Well, what's he doing there? Oh, Leona, this after all. First there's a robbery or something in this house, and, and now that charming man sprawled on the floor. What is this all about? Maud, as the gentleman I'm supposed to resemble has written... I could a tale unfold whose lightest word would harrow up thy soul, freeze thy young blood, make thy two eyes like stars start from their spheres, thy knotted and combined locks to part, and each particular hair to stand on end like quills upon the fretful porcupine. You've been acting strangely all day. Uh, suppose, Maud, we just say that uh, Mr. Van Odin, being guilty of two murders, will not be at your luncheon tomorrow. Two murders? Oh, gracious. This is just like one of those Lieutenant Hazeltine affairs. How'd you ever catch him? He made a fatal error. He didn't notice something. Something uh, very simple. Mrs. Mullet, would you call Sergeant McCobble? I certainly will. Maud, have some tea? distinguished American actor, Walter Hampton, as Leonidas Witherall, in the first of Leonidas Witherall's radio adventures. And now, Mr. Hampton, what have we for next week? Well, uh, graduation time seems to be arriving at Meredith, the excellent school of which Leonidas is proprietor, and Leonidas is making plans for an unusual party of the alumni. It involves a place that is a skating rink in the summer and a swimming pool in the winter, and a homicide. Next week, when we meet up again with the adventures of Leonidas Witherall. Thank you, Mr. Hamden. The radio script for tonight's Leonidas adventure was written by Howard Merrill, the producer, Roger Bauer. If you'd like to attend one of these broadcasts, well, if you're in New York or expect to visit here, just write to Leonidas Witherall, or if you prefer, to Bill Shakespeare. Make it Bill Shakespeare, care of W.O.R., New York 18. We'll be happy to send tickets without charge. The program originates at W.O.R. Walter Hamden and the Adventures of Leonidas Witherall is heard, heard over most of these stations Sunday night at 9 o'clock Eastern War Time. This is Mutual. Welcome back. Well, June the 4th, 1944, we, uh, when the, this show was recorded... America was just two days before Invasion Day, uh, D-Day. Uh, and you can definitely tell from here, and Leonidas Witherall, uh, definitely fighting the, uh, Nazis on the home front in a somewhat atypical way. Preparation for bringing you this series, I, as I, I alluded to briefly, I did read the, uh, 
Leonidas Witherall, uh, one of the first book in the series, beginning with a bash, as a lot of fun. A radio series is not going to look a whole lot like a book because usually the books involve Leonidas gathering uh, over the course of the book a team of a of assistants from a lot of wide and varied backgrounds. Um, not a whole lot of time for that in half an hour, but still an interesting tale and a nice uh, premiere for Walter Hamden. Uh, speaking of Walter Hamden, I mentioned what a distinguished actor he was. Uh, one thing he was very distinguished, uh, that I guess one of his radio accomplishments, was beginning the radio series Cavalcade of America. This legendary radio series ran for 18 years, sponsored by the DuPont Corporation. And it was Walter Hamden who uh, inaugurated that series, so we're going to include that 1935 episode as an app extra, and I hope you enjoy that. All right, well, join us next Tuesday. Uh, more on Leonidas Witherall, why his first book was not published in America until 1972. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, when we get into next week's adventure of Leonidas Witherall. Join us tomorrow for Let George Do It. And I should mention now, we do have that situation where Mutual is on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And that'll be the case for the next seven weeks. All right, well, send your emails, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and give us a call, 208-991-4783. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.